You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, Van Flippers? Thanks for checking out this episode of Lamb Goats Van Flip Podcast, the best metal, hardcore, and everything in between show on the interweb. I'm just realizing I forgot to call you guys Goat Flippers, and I said Van Flippers. But anyway, you get a pass this week. Other than that, what is going on? I hope you guys have had a great week since we last heard from each other. Well, I didn't hear from you, or did I? Did you hit me up on Twitter? Hit us up on Twitter? I don't know. Maybe you should. But anyway, this week's episode, it's a back burner if you already have read the, you know, title. So you kind of already know who's on the show. J.B. Brubaker of the band August Burns Red. It is a very interesting one. He's a cool laid back dude. And also I followed that band for quite some time. So it was a good time sitting down with him and talking. And I can't wait to, you know, see them in uh, or at Furnace Fest and some other festivals later this year. Fingers crossed that they go off. Now it's part of that intro. If you've already, you know, been a fan of the show, you already know what's coming up. If this is your first time checking out the podcast and you enjoy the content we're putting out here, definitely go ahead and give us a follow, subscribe, give us a rating on the platform that you are listening to us on. If you can share us with your friends, it definitely helps us out in the algorithms of the podcasts and, you know, our overall reach. You can follow Lamgoat on social media, give them a like on Facebook and follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Lamgoat. Visit Lamgoat.com for news and everything regarding hardcore, metal and everything in between. Head over to Lamgoat's YouTube page and you can watch all these interviews in video format plus other Lamgoat content. Don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you're always notified when new episodes or lamb goat content is released if you're listening to us on spotify go ahead and search lamb goat on spotify as well and you can get all of our music playlists if you want to follow me lurk the host of the show you can find me on instagram and twitter at lurk city that's l-u-r-k-c-i-t-y and if you've made it this far into the intro all of these links can be found in the show notes so let's get rolling with jb brubaker of august burns red oh yeah what's this Feel this. Oh yeah, this is stuff. Oh no. Oh, no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to the Van Flip Podcast. Today we have none other than uh, someone that I've kind of followed throughout my, I don't want to say career as a fan of metalcore, but you know, in my time of fiddling with metalcore and metal music and heavy music in general, August Burns Red has been one band that's kind of always been there along the way. So today I'm lucky enough to have J.B. Brubaker, lead guitarist of August Burns Red. So welcome to the show, man. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yes, and um, we're doing this kind of to support 
obviously you guys have a 10 year anniversary coming out of leveler leveler came out on solid state in 2011 and you're doing um you know you're re-releasing that one you re-recorded the album correct we re-recorded it from scratch yeah and we're we're self-releasing it so uh we're in between labels right now and kind of able to do whatever so this is a unique opportunity for us to test our you know dip a toe in the water of the whole self-release world which we have never done we've been on a label since 2005 so uh figure we try it during the pandemic we got a little extra time on our hands <laughs> yeah so abr records is a is a thing and um yeah so yeah we'll get in we'll get into a little bit more of your record label situation later on too but uh sure before it gets too long i i'm here in florida and i'm wearing this jacket for a specific reason uh, in celebration of, you know, Leveler, uh, the Leveler situation, I figured uh, it's time to take this thing off because it is hot. It's like 90 something degrees in here. Uh, I figure I would I would dust whoa. out I would dust out the 13 year old or whatever, 11, 10 year old. It's 10 year anniversary. Dude, I'm impressed that you still have that. Right. Honestly, like it didn't get bumped out of the <laughs> out of the collection yet. It always made the uh, it always made the cut. But yeah, so I'm sitting here in my what leveler V-neck from Warp Tour, I think. Yeah. Warp Tours, yeah. We were very cool back then making V-neck shirts, very hip with the Yeah, I got a lot of chest hair now, so you know it's <laughs> definitely draws more attention. Luckily this microphone is here. But yeah, uh, I haven't worn this shirt in quite some time, man. I'm I'm actually surprised I found it. <laughs> I'm honored that you kept it, honestly. Thank you. Very kind of you. No, you're, you're more than welcome, Jamie. Um, you know, it's cool to get, to get you guys on the podcast originally. I mean, originally we, I think, scheduled something with you guys in Orlando when shows were still going on, but we couldn't make that, unfortunately. But it's cool that we also are, are getting together now. Even more cooler that you have, you know, actual stuff going on. So you guys did a thing for... Thrill Seeker during the pandemic too, as well. Um, yeah, and and that and that was different in the aspect of this was like the only time that you could kind of get Jake on those tracks, uh, like on a compact disc or something, right? I think you only released the CD of it or something. We did it on L- we did an LP. Okay, but yeah, it's the only, and we released uh, Thrill Seeker live. Uh, it's on streaming services and stuff, if, on Spotify and all those. So yeah, if you wanted to hear Jake on Thrill Seeker, um, he, you know, joined the band after that record came out. This was like our opportunity to showcase his voice on those songs. Although it is in a you know a live environment, so you know it's it's a little rougher than you would expect from a, a studio release. But it's still, um, I think it's still cool for for the diehard fans who wanted to hear something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's always been very interesting because. Uh, Again, like I said earlier on, as a fan, I, I want to say like you guys came up the sec, like right at the same time, or in the same class that I was finding that like vein of music, you know. So, uh, Thrill Seeker was, you know, kind of big for for me at, at early early in my, um, like I said, journey through this heavy music system. Uh, Messengers yeah. was also a big big part of that. Um, but yeah, I always wondered like how Jake felt about seeing those songs because some of those were like classics for you guys for a long period of time. Yeah. And I always wondered what it would be like to have Jake on some of the songs that you normally wouldn't hear live. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, that was, that was definitely the goal. Um, I think it was something where he felt, 
honored to do those songs that weren't his. You know, he didn't write those lyrics. They were written by our, uh, by Josh McManus, who was the vocalist on that um, record. But it was kind of cool, too, because on that uh, on that live stream and live recording, um, Josh McManus did a guest spot with us um, on the song Consumer. So um, not that Jake needed Josh to, like, pass him the torch or anything, but it was it was fun to to collaborate in that way with with Josh McManus, who we haven't, you know, it's, we haven't stayed close with him, but, you know, we're still in the same area and he has followed the band since he left it. And I think it was fun for him to, to be involved with something um, years after the fact. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun. And I'm sure it's been, I I don't want to poke fun or anything, but I'm saying, I'm sure it's been fun for him to kind of watch the band that he made may have be of maybe have could have been a part in later on just you know you guys went from like small town to touring the world so it's like you know i'm sure yeah. and you're a little part of pennsylvania uh lancaster right lancaster yeah lancaster uh pennsylvania i'm sure you're kind of like big dudes walking around town sometimes i'm sure a lot of people do know about the band especially because you do like your holiday uh sure. you know, holiday stuff and everything yeah, I mean, it's not like we're getting stopped on the streets regularly or anything, but uh, I think a lot of people who know about this kind of music, if you know about this kind of music, you're familiar with our band at this point. And our drummer, uh, Matt Greiner, is from a huge family. He has like eight siblings. And I swear, every time I bump into someone, they're like, oh, I know your, I know your drummer's middle <laughs> sisters. I like, yeah. like everyone has a tie to that family. It seems literally just yesterday. Um, I was playing outside with my kid. There's, there's this road that just goes down to a farm, um, like a quarter mile from our house. And we play there a lot, just along the road and like the dirt and stuff. <laughs> and this woman pulls up in a minivan and she goes, Hey, I know who you are now. I know Matt Griner. You play in his band, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I do. Of course, you know, Matt Griner. It's just funny. Yeah. So that, the, the kind of deviating from your original point i we're we're known in in our local area but it's not like i mean this genre of music metal core metal in general like you know there's no uh it's pretty tiny even though things are kind of to some people you know you're you're i'm still honored if someone recognizes me yeah i mean (laughs) like you're in a big band right for the scene but in the scene of things not necessarily like a great great big band it's a we're, we're in a small scene yeah for sure um, so we're going back to leveler when you guys, how do you guys make that decision to kind of like re-record the re-record it? Like where, where did that spawn from? And, you know, point A to point B. Okay. Well, we were in a really unique, unique position because we're in, like I said earlier, we're in between out, uh, right. We're record in between deals. record deals right now. And we're also, grounded because of the pandemic so we've had a lot of time on our hands and this isn't like the kind of project i think that we would have ever had the time to do if our regular touring schedule had been going on because you know we would have been touring aggressively on our latest record guardians that just came out in april and we haven't supported at all (laughs) um and as the pandemic pandemic drug longer and longer we're like yeah we need like we we have time for a project leveler is going to turn 10 years old in 2021. Um, we're probably not gonna be able to do anything for it because of the pandemic. 
So let's take advantage of this unique opportunity of having time on our hands and being in between record labels. And let's go record the record again ourselves, fund it ourselves, and put it out ourselves. Um, so we did. You know, we we set the goal and we went out and, and, and we've done it. So there's been a lot of learning um, for myself and for Brent, our other guitar player. We mm-hmm. we manage the band ourselves. We've been self managed since 2016. So. I know this year has been full of, of learning experiences just from the business side of things. We also started our own web store and have been running that, um, which has been a, a huge undertaking, but also, you know, uh, it, it was a valuable source of revenue for us, basically kept us afloat while we haven't been able to tour and, and make any money that way. So we've managed to keep ourselves busy and with leveler, it's a record we've always enjoyed and we like a lot. It's it's, but it's also been a record that we've listened back to and thought, you know, this record's cool, but like, it's not our favorite recording anymore. Like it sounded dated now. Mm -hmm. And we thought, okay, we have all this time. Let's give this thing a facelift. Let's really dig into these songs and approach them the way we would approach writing music now and kind of put a modern August Burns Red spin on them. And that's what we did. So we went in with uh, Carson Slovak and Grant McFarlane, our longtime producers, and right. we remade the whole record from the ground up. And it was it was fun, and it was like a pretty easy project because the songs are old and they're in our back pockets now, and everything was written. We just uh, we just rewrote a bunch of guitar solos and added a bunch of guitar or you know pads and bells and whistles and church them up a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we got and we got some we got some cool guests on it too, which uh, we hadn't done the first time around. We got Ryan Kirby from Fit for a King, um, Matt Heafy from Trivium does mm-hmm. guest vocal and guitar solo, and uh, Misha from Periphery plays like a ridiculous guitar solo on it. So nice. I have been able I to. Know, li- it, it, it's fun. I have been able to listen to uh, a preview of it, and I've been listening yeah. to the older one. So yeah, there's definitely a difference. And uh, part of my part of me was thinking it's probably easy to rewrite a song too, that you've been playing for 10 years. I mean, I'm sure some of those songs you play live, you play them differently than you play on the album anyway. And I'm sure that, you know, you've been wanting to improvise here and there during your live performances in general. So this gives you an opportunity to kind of lay it on wax, so to speak. Totally. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I haven't been that it hasn't been like, the studio is not usually that uh, low stress. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, we had fun. Usually, we're like getting into these tiffs about this drum part or this guitar part, and having these squabbles over details and stuff. And that wasn't that wasn't the case this time around. It was just go in, have fun, make music. And honestly, we have seen each other so little that it's just fun to get together and hang out again with the guys. Like we miss each other. Yeah. Um, so every time we have an opportunity to get together and do something has been uh, a lot of fun, something that we definitely took for granted before. And I, I think the pandemic has really put things into perspective as far as how lucky we are to be able to do um, a band for so long and do it as a career and, you know, how much we ch- cherish our relationships, you know, as a band. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, and you guys have been doing it for so long. I mean, you're coming up on your 20th anniversary here in a year or two, right? 
Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Two two more years. I was just thinking we were Definitely talking. Didn't think that would happen. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking. You know, I'm sitting here talking to you about Leveler being out ten years, and I'm in my head. I'm like, I wonder if you ever thought that, you know, he, you you guys would still be in the band, let alone like doing something for their ten year anniversary. You know. Yeah. Because with things in the I heavy really, scene, it's just, you know, things come and things go. And the genre seems to ebb and flow in popularity over years. So it's just, you know, it's a nod that you guys lasted this long. It's funny that you say that the genre has ebbed and flowed in popularity because I've totally seen that. And I feel like in the last five years or so, like that metalcore bubble definitely popped. There was so many bands um, doing it. And it's I feel like it's now like there's bands who've like risen to the top of the heap who able to, who have been able to last through the, the fad, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I feel fortunate enough that my band has been able to like maintain a career through, through that highly oversaturated period of, of metalcore, like the 2013 kind of era. I was just like, Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it was exhausting. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It was exhausting. <laughs> and I think a lot of that stuff was like overproduced too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of it was kind of like I don't want to. I don't want to say like certain projects or certain albums were, but I mean the mindset I think of like labels was like cash grab. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, toward the end, about yeah, toward the end, like 2010 ish, when like I started seeing, I started hearing bands that I would like see at small clubs and shows and stuff like that on like real world or road rules, like in the background, I would hear like Norma Jean or like a Treyu, And I'm like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like what's, what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously that made metalcore a little bit more known, more people got into it, but then MTV and MySpace just kind of like, MySpace was good for a lot of things, but also bad for a lot of things within the scene, usually fads. But, um, <laughs> I feel like I've said it a million times. I've, th those two things like bastardized uh, metalcore for a little while, and uh, I think in the in the last couple years though, it's kind of come back to, you know, there's like a more we're on the upswing for like heavy heavy decent metalcore bands. Yeah, I agree. I, I the first band that comes to mind for me is Knock Loose, who's like yeah, definitely doing like sure. a big big throwback thing to like when I started getting into the genre of music in the first place, like one broken wings was one of my favorite bands. And I just hear so much on broken wings and knock loose. Um, and it's interesting. It's just interesting for me to see the whole cycle to like, like a full rotation because uh, to be in a band and go through a whole cycle of the fad is weird. I, I, I saw it from a fan perspective when I was a kid in high school and into, into punk and pop punk and stuff. And, you know, I was going to warp tour in the year 2000 and seeing like, it, I, I liken it to the metalcore explosion of like 2011, mm -hmm. you know, the, the same thing happened with pop punk in the early, like at the turn of the millennium. But, uh, at the turn of the millennium who says that you like that yeah don't don't age yourself jb right no it's too late but uh yeah i i think it's cool to see like a new wave beginning for for metalcore yeah. or whatever you want to call it 
I mean, that word was taboo for a long time, but I guess it's it's going to become cool again. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things like uh, bell bottoms were cool for a short period of time. Thirty years goes by, everyone's wearing bell bottoms again. You know, yeah. So it's one of those dealios. Um, we kind of talked. You, you talked about unbroken wings just now, and that was something that surprised me. Uh, I feel like we probably went almost similar routes when we were finding this music because we're similar in age as well. I'm 37 and I think you're around that age as well. A little younger. I am, yeah. I'll say, I'll say, I'll give you a little leeway. You're a little younger, I believe. Uh, I'll be 37 in like 10 days. Oh, so cool. Not, not much younger. Okay. So good. Uh, I'm not far off, but anyway, I would like to know because you come from an area of Pennsylvania that is kind of rural farmland and, and everything like that. And I, I know that you had to like travel to go to school and stuff like that. How, how does one grow up in the situation that you grew up in find like heavy music? Like how does take me, take me through that ringer. Okay. Well, um, I guess it is unusual because of the area. And I, I, you know, I grew up in a really conservative Christian household and I had an older sister who was into, some cool alt rock bands. I had a couple older sisters who were into some cool bands like uh, Green Day and Third Eye Blind and Weezer and Nirvana and, and stuff like that. So I, I didn't care about music at all until probably like eighth grade. I started getting into it. I was all about sports. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to play sports and talk about sports and music was just whatever. <laughs> and then I discovered I got a really into The Offspring. And they opened up a whole world for me of, of punk rock. You know, I used to buy records and look at the album thanks and see what other bands were thanked and then, you know, go check out bands that way. And then, you know, we had Napster come yep. out and yep. it became really easy to sample bands and download music. And I like how you said sample bands. That was, that was good. Wink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a little taste. Sample. No, bands. But... Let me use that later. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it was funny. Um, and I was like, I was working at the local grocery store and spending all my money on CDs every week, like, and just broadening my, my collection of various bands and started going to shows, which was weird at first. I remember having to tell my dad whenever I wanted to go to a show, like I'd tell my mom and she's like, well, you better tell your father. I'm not telling him he's not going to be happy. I'm like, Hey dad, I'm going to see the bouncing souls on Friday. Just want to let you know. He'd be like, "Oh, you're going to another concert." You know, it was, it, yeah. it was, it was. It came from a place of judgment back then. <laughs> it's funny now because I mean, my parents are super supportive at this point. Well, that's also kind I've of had, I've had our back. That's kind yeah. of cool though that you say that because I mean, like a lot of people probably have this perception of growing up in a religious household or a Christian household or, or spiritual household, whatever you want to call it, and yeah. having the freedom to not only because these shows probably weren't like in your town. You had to travel for some of these shows, so like. To have the free the to have the freedom to go do such was also very cool to your parents as well. On top of supporting your band, obviously, but sure. Now my parents were really cool in that way with regards to like I never had a curfew. They didn't care when I came home, and I didn't abuse it. I was a good kid. I wasn't. I didn't underage drink or anything. Like I, I guess they just trusted me. And I had four older sisters who kind of paved the way. Oh, that's always a plus. Um, that's always a plus. Which was yeah. I owe a lot to them. With regards to that, but yeah, I had to travel to Philly I was the for oldest. a lot of shows. I was the oldest. I'm sorry, so go ahead. 
I'm sorry. I was the oldest, so I never got any of the leeway. <laughs> oh yeah, you were the paver. Yeah, I was the one. I was the one getting uh, getting the hard knocks. But anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, we. I went to Philly a lot for shows um, for a lot of the bigger stuff. But we had a venue that actually just closed down this past year. Um, our local club was called the Chameleon Club in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we got a lot of shows there. I, I saw a lot of cool bands there over the years, like uh, H2O, um, Saves the Day, Newfound Glory, mm. etc. Many yeah. bands. Um, but then, you know, my friends and I would go, we'd go to Philly and see a lot of shows at like the Trocadero and the TLA and places like that. And then we'd even go to like Allentown, which is, you know, in the northeast part of the state. And there was a venue there called crock rock that had a bunch of that we got a bunch of shows and stuff but anyways as i got more into music i started to have like like a, a group of friends formed that all like the same kind of music and then in, within that group of friends a bunch of the guys started a band that i didn't play in I didn't, I didn't play an instrument or anything at that time but i would go to their practices and hang out and it was just like a fun vibe and then when i graduated high school in 2002 i was like i'm gonna buy myself a a guitar and try to learn how to play guitar for fun. If you're telling and me then, that you're learning how to play guitar in 2002 and then messengers came, no, thrill seeker came out when two years later, 2005. Okay. So two and a half, three years later between yeah, 2005 and 2000. Yeah. Jeez Louise. Yeah. All right. Continue. Sorry. That's just blowing no, my own mind. Fine. Sorry. I, I was, I got a late start for sure, but um, I don't know. I feel like I'm like a little bit like, ADHD and that when I get into something, I'm just like hyper focused. Like, um, yeah. Yes. And I wasn't, I was at college and I was way more into hardcore and, and doing ABR than I was into doing class. And, you know, I, I went to my classes and was doing fine, but it was not my priority. Um, a buddy of mine in the Lancaster hardcore scene and I started a little events company called tandem events I'm sorry, tangent events, mixing up with tandem management, which is the management umbrella Brent and I work under. Um, we did uh, a little promotion thing called tangent events where we would book bands like, I don't know, Combat Kid and Evergreen Terrace and Barrier Dead and stuff like that and put them one at our local uh, American Legion Hall. And then we'd have August Burns Red Open. And it was like our opportunity to network and uh, play shows for more than... 30 people, you know, yeah. and it got me in with a bunch of like, it got me in with, uh, Ash Avildsen from who owns Sumerian, but he was singing for that band reflux at the time. Oh, who were, good Lord. I, I like, didn't, I didn't realize that. I know. Oh, really? I, yeah. I didn't know. He, I, I forgot that he was in that band. I only know reflux because I can remember seeing, uh, Tosin. And, right. And then he became like animals as leaders. But I remember like, when I saw yeah. Animals as Leaders, I was like, wait a minute, dude. I, I remember that dude from this other wild-ass band that I saw. Like, I only saw them once play here in Jacksonville, but it was with, I think, Evergreen Terrace. But I, that he always stood out because it, it was like he was such an amazing guitar player and everything. But I didn't realize Ash was part of that Yeah, group. Yeah, it's crazy what that what those guys went on to do. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of talent that came out of Reflux. But ABR, I, I got in with Ash who was running a booking company called EE booking and he would throw me shows a lot, which was, which was fun. And then 
you know, they would crash at, at our house or whatever after shows and stuff. And we just became buds with them. And then we were actually supposed to tour with reflux back in 2006, but our singer quit and we were forced to cancel that tour, unfortunately, Bye-bye. but I don't know. Um, so through all of that, getting into the hardcore scene and everything and ABR, like really focusing our time and energy into learning to play together, learning to play period. We were all really green at our instruments. Um, we eventually did some like DIY touring that I booked myself. That was pretty pathetic in summer 2004, but you know, it took us as far, as far as Baton Rouge and down into Florida and stuff. It was like 17 days with a band called my bitter end from Poughkeepsie, New York. I don't know if you remember that band. Very familiar with them. Yeah, and uh, Albert React, another eulogy band. I feel like I was, I loved eulogy records, dude. There was so many. Yeah, no, yeah. That I liked you, on that label. You, you keep referring to a lot of them. Uh, and I mean, because I, because I'm located in Jacksonville, Evergreen Terrace sure. is here in Jacksonville. So Evergreen, uh, I mean, I know those guys now, but like it's crazy that they were just my local band that got me really into the hardcore, yeah. metalcore. And it just so happens that they were also a band that became you know, more than just a local band and, you know, uh, you know, signed with major labels after eulogy and stuff. But that being said, eulogy bands always were running through town because evergreen was here. And so, yeah, yeah. On broken wings was definitely a big band for me as well. Um, yeah. What shattered realm, uh, God, I'm blanking on all the other, other bands that were on the, them at the time. But what was, what was mean Pete from, Oh, remembering never, never until the, the end. Um, what, what, What's this hardcore band? Until well, I the can't end. think of it right now. What, what's that? Until the end. Until the end. Loved until the end. Yeah, I no, mean, that... I loved all the beatdown shit, dude. I was so into just like, like that's what ABR wanted to be when we started out. We couldn't that's... play anything else, anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's kind of easier to you know on the guitar guitar front. It probably is easier to play, but um, no, it, it was interesting that you referred to because I heard you on the uh, Hundred Words podcast bring up until the end. And, uh, you know, I had Pete on the show and, uh, and since then we've kind of stayed, you know, friendly over the internet and whatnot, but he's a cool dude. And it's just crazy that you, you guys listed all those bands that are like, so not August Burns Red (laughs) style, you know what I mean? We couldn't play anything else. Yeah, 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 It's crazy. It is crazy that you only had like two and a half years worth of guitar experience. And then you guys were like recording Thrill Seeker, um, yeah, I'm just blown away by that, and I'm I'm blown away Thank that you, you I'm blown away that you guys because the bulk of you for the most part have been the same band uh, from yeah. the beginning from the beginning. You got a new bass player at some point, and you also uh, I mean you swapped not a new bass player you swapped out bass players in 2000 and whatever whatever 2006 we've been the yeah. same lineup since and uh, since yeah since Jake entered the band and um, yeah it's just been crazy that you where was I going with this now that I'm blanking out? But, uh, Oh no, that you guys met and you guys are all like, kind of like decent musicians. Like Matt is a, is a crazy drummer. You know what I mean? And like Jake is like an epic vocalist. He's like, you know, one of the best voice heavy vocalists that I, I can think of right now. And I've, I loved, I've loved listening to him the entire time. So it's, it's crazy that you guys are from a smaller area of the world in that you all kind of like met in general. Sure. Yeah, we're definitely lucky in that regard. Jake was from South Carolina and actually heard that we needed a singer and drove up and tried out. Oh, yeah. No, um, I, I remember the entire thing, but it's just crazy that that even happened yeah. in general, too, because for a random person 
to answer like a MySpace ad or something. Right, right. That, I mean, and that's a whole other story that I don't need to get into. Jake, Jake's tryout with the band, but <laughs> we'll we'll get into uh, it with him one day. Maybe. Yeah, we we. I'll let you steer. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, it was impressive because you guys are all like you know pretty decent musicians, I will say. And it's crazy. How green were the rest of the guys? Was it something that you guys just kind of picked up? Because, you know. Um, like, hey, let's Matt be was definitely the hardest working. Um, he played a lot of drums and worked really hard at just like, just on like his practice pads. Like he was just very devoted to learning the fundamentals and built himself up the right way. Um, Brent and I are self-taught and, you know, had to get, through our own limitations based on the way we taught ourselves to play. You know, there's been obstacles to overcome as a result of that over the years. But um, I think the fact that we were all so devoted to wanting to do the band and we practiced so much and we were always writing music that was too hard for us to play. And that is what continued to force us to get better so we could play the stuff live. And I think that's kind of what helped to fast track us to be able to, you know, record a record, you know, two, three years after we right. start playing. Now I'm asking, I'm going to ask this question because you guys do like re-recording the records, uh, an unusual thing, you know, to do for a band. For sure. You guys also have like done a lot of cover songs. Uh, Kudos on the Chop Suey song, by the way, I've actually mm. recently heard that. And I was like, this is actually crazy good. Uh, so kudos Thank to that. You. But um, the other thing you guys have done for the most part is like release like midis. You guys have done yeah. MIDI file releases on some albums and stuff like that. And now that you're saying that you've always wrote, you've always written stuff that's too hard for you to play. Do you guys write that stuff in like a tar tab pro or something like that? And then use a program called Tabit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is even more archaic than guitar <laughs> pro. Yeah. Okay. Tabit only works like literally right here. I was just, I'm going to pull this up and show you. I was literally, I was just working on this. Like I have a crappy, like Chromebook that was two hundred dollars that I used just for Tabit. Nice, yeah, yeah. Dedicated <laughs> because it doesn't machine. run on Mac. Right, so. right. Dedicated machinery. Uh, so you guys like knew how to write music, but even write music that you couldn't play, or you just kind of were like fiddling around with it as a group of dudes, and you're like, "This sounds good." Definitely, it was just a whatever sounds good to us is what we're going to play. I had no idea. Like, still don't have any like foundation in theory. It's just. Like if someone's like, I'm going to jam this, these four chords in the key of G sharp and you can play over at JB. I'd be like, uh, I can't do yeah. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I can, I can write something over it and, and memorize it and play it and write something I think sounds cool. But like I, everything has always just been writing what we think sounds good. And that's still how we operate. But it's interesting. Cause I've always, yeah. I mean, you know, as a fan, it just seems quite the contrary. You know what I mean? So I guess kudos to the band for pulling that off, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I've been faking it for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Fake it till you've made it. Right. <laughs> We're still trying to kind of make it. Uh, but no, yeah. it's, it's cool that I'm sure you, you know, you've bolstered so many confidences by just this little conversation. I mean, mine in general, I just started learning guitar like two and a half years ago myself. I'm nowhere near writing thrill seeker by any means, but you know, that that does give me confidence that I could be like next year. Yeah, dude. You just have to put the time in. It's all about putting the time in. And a lot of my time, I see your acoustic guitar hanging back there on the wall. A lot of my time was spent on acoustic because I wasn't allowed to play an electric guitar in my dorm room at college. We weren't allowed to have live amps. So uh, 
Thrill Seeker was written on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. I mean, like, like in, in my dorm room. And it definitely is harder to play an acoustic guitar, especially if you're trying to Way play harder. It, especially for that kind of music, for sure. Yeah. I'm a terrible acoustic guitar player. It, it hurts my fingers. Like, I, I don't like playing acoustic. Yeah. I literally, I, I was learning on that thing, which is like a $150 guitar or whatever. It's nothing important. But that's like yeah. uh, what I learned on. And then I bought uh, the Schecter is in that case behind me. I just bought that a couple of weeks ago. So oh, congrats. I've made, thank you. I've made the jump to electric guitar nice what are you playing through oh i don't have an amp yet do you have like uh like recording software that you can play through like like tone hub or something uh no i have a family member that has like a band room that i go over okay. to their house and they have like you know they have a they have like where i can plug in directly to like a board or whatever and run through like audio engineering stuff or i can just plug into like a, a smaller amp that other people are cool going over so I've got that whole situation fun. going, but also it's just easier to learn and practice with than that electric guitar. So why not just, yeah. yeah. So you guys also released a new album that we, like you said earlier that you haven't been able to uh, support or tour with yet. Um, now that we are almost, it came, came out a year ago, right? A little over a year ago. It did. Yeah. A little 13 months ago now. So now that we're a year after that, Obviously, you guys released it in the earlier stages of the pandemic. Do you think that you guys should have re- waited a little bit or you kind of made the right decision at that time? Because obviously a lot of bands withheld and are still withholding their albums. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we didn't delay it for a couple of reasons. Number one, if we had delayed it, what's the point? Like, we're still in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how many people are going out to Best Buy and FYE and buying records or how many, like it's been a while. People weren't doing that much before the pandemic. So I don't know if there was a lot to lose with regards to like physical sales. And the other thing is we had done this long rollout where we've been, you know, releasing the singles and hyping up the release date and blah, blah, blah. And I think right when like America went into like full on lockdown mode, uh, was when Guardians was supposed to come out. And it would have been such a bummer. Like, that was such a dark time to begin with. And I feel like anyone who was looking forward to that record coming out, they were like, oh, sorry, guys, we're going to delay it until you can go to <laughs> FYE and buy it. Like, yeah. it would have been such a bummer for fans who were looking forward to it. Right. So we dropped it uh, when we were planning to release it. And, you know, maybe it sounds scanned less than it could have if we had waited a few months. But, like, at this point, like, does it really matter? Like, I, I don't know. I, I care less and less about sound scans as t- more and more time passes. Right. And, uh, yeah, because streams are such a giant uh, bulk of, like, how people ingest your music in general these days. Because, like, right. you know, a lot of people don't necessarily get physical copy or physical media. So it's definitely, like... Yeah, I, I do remember it coming out and thinking like, wow, it is good it, to me as a fan. It was like, it's cool that they've released it because obviously it had been like a few uh, handful of years since uh, Phantom Anthem, right? Was the one previous. That's right. And then, um, so it had been like a couple of years. So it was cool that we had a you know a new, a new album to listen to. Not only that, it was new music within a fresh pandemic. So, you know. Um, right. But you also did like a live stream. Oh, no, that was the Thrill Seeker live stream. Did you... We did a Christmas Burns Red live stream as well after the, which we played some stuff off of Guardians. Guardians it's like yeah. the first time, aside from two shows, we played with Killswitch before 
we had to return home. Um, that Christmas Burns Red live stream was the first time we got to play like more than two songs off of Guardians, which was fun. You know, it was cool. I feel like Guardians is going to be this like almost like forgotten album. Like by the time we get to get back out there and tour like heavily and properly support, like we're probably going to have another record ready to go. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's like we're skipping this whole album cycle, which is weird. It is weird. It's weird. I mean, you know, uh, I, cause albums have come out that, and I, I also feared that as a fan too, not, not just with your band, but just other bands, like bands that released albums during this time. Like, will they, we won't be able to see that live as often because right. there won't be enough time. And, you know, the band still goes on and carries its duties. I'm sure like, you know, by the end of the next year, you'll have some kind of ideas for a new record in general. So, you know, yeah, I mean, the the creative process doesn't stop just because yeah. of the touring stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. We're, we've always been a band to try to put a record out every every two years or so. And, man, by the time we're back and able to tour regularly and the way we want to be, it might be two years from when Guardians came out. So. Yeah, I mean... But we'll see. I think the only... I think the time that I'm scheduled to see you guys for sure right now is Furnace Fest. That's it. I can't wait for Furnace Fest. I know. I can't wait. Do I even want? Do we even want to get into that? I've talked about it so much on the podcast, but it is going to be oh, an epic time. We don't, and, and because <laughs> we don't have to. No, no, no. We we but, can yeah. if we, we can because obviously a lot of those bands are some bands that you know brought you into the heavy scene too. But one for thing, sure. one thing before we before we get off of Guardians, uh, Bones was featured in that uh, NCIS Los Angeles episode. Yes. Was that your some, favorite show? Yeah, I well, I DVR <laughs> it all the time, and I just noticed it. I was like, hmm, no, but uh, I, I've never seen the show. Oh, uh, but anyway, um, I hadn't either. <laughs> what? How does that stuff work? Is that something that you guys know about ahead of time, or is that something that you know like after the fact, like a fan maybe tweet you? And is there any kind of like compensation other than paid and exposure? It's funny you say that because I said, dude, I would have done this spot for free, like. <laughs> just for the exposure because no one's playing August Burns Red Music on network television. Like it is a big, it's a big spot for us, but no, we got hit up by um, someone from Concord publishing Concord and Fearless records. And they, they um, handle the publishing for, for all of our fearless record stuff. And they said, Hey, we have an opportunity for you, for your song to be used in NCIS Los Angeles. Um, Super short turnaround. They want it for this episode that's coming out in like two weeks. And like, just let us know if you have your approval. Here's the fee that you'll be paid. Basically, we get a flat rate for the song to be used in that episode forever. Like, they never have to pay us right. again. Like, Royal they have the right to use it there yeah. forever. And we're like, cool, yeah, let's do it. Great. And then um, I saw the episode. They they did honestly give like a breakdown of what the scenes would be like Um and everything, but I, I must admit, I did not review that carefully. Like, I wasn't <laughs> like, oh, our music's going to be used as auditory torture in this, like, <laughs> strange yeah. civilian jail thing. Yeah. Like, um, and honestly, I wouldn't have said no, knowing that anyways. Like, I'm right. so happy to have the song in the in the show. And <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of 16, 70-year-old people who watched it and were like, yeah, that's definitely torture. I wouldn't want to be in that prison either. Right. <laughs> With that music blasting. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. So Furnace Fest, uh, 
Yeah, you were too young to even attend the first couple, right? You were like me. We we just that was like I didn't. Yep, that was right when we started getting really into this into this whole thing. I mean, here's what I knew about Furnace Fest before beforehand. Furnace Fest was where Josh Scoggin announced that he was leaving Norma Jean. Like that's like that was like the legend of Furnace Fest for me coming up. Um, when was the last one? Twenty in oh three the year two thousand. Oh oh two oh three. Oh, two, oh, three. Okay. Um, right. I was still in high school and I definitely wasn't traveling to Alabama for <laughs> hardcore shows right. back then. But there's a lot of those bands that were really important to me, like Poison the Well, huge band for me, like really important band for bridging the gap for me between uh, like sing, scream music into yeah. like full-blown metal kind of music. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Like, I'd say Evergreen and Poison the Poison the Wild were like the like big big bridge bands for me to get into more extreme music. And I've only ever seen Poison the Wild once. I saw them on the You Come Before You tour at the Canadian Club in Lancaster many many years ago, probably two thousand three or something. And I don't even think I don't think ABR plays on the same day as Poison the Wild Furnace Fest, which bums me out because we're only going to be there for one day. Oh wow, okay, bummer. Which stinks. I know it is a bummer, but. uh Mia Thought You was playing on our day, which I'm really happy about because they're like a top five all-time band for me. Are you on Saturday? I've seen them Saturday? so many times, but... Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I think we're Sunday. I think Sunday? we're on Sunday. That's cool. I was trying to think of it. Yeah. Because you're one of the big bands, right? You're one of the headliners for the big for the day? I don't think we're a headliner, but we're we're playing. <laughs> We're, we're probably gotcha. towards the end, but I, gotcha. I don't think we're. I, I think Kill Switch was like the. That's what I. I, 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 I didn't want to. I knew day. they were headlining, and I wanted to. See, I was going to be like, "Are you playing the same day with Kill Switch?" But then I was thinking, like, you guys are probably could probably play, you know, headline also. But no, we were definitely. Yeah, we're definitely supposed to be on the same day as Kill Switch. I have a feeling there's going to be some shuffling of who's playing on what day as as touring around the fall shakes out. Because things are still very up in the air, but yeah. I, I could be wrong. I can't speak for for other bands, and I'm sure a lot of bands are playing that as almost like a reunion, one off kind of thing. For so. sure, yeah, yeah, for sure, 100. percent I I think because uh, some bands are getting like the blood. Yes, it's a that, fun one. That's crazy. I, lo- I love love those dudes. Yeah. How was it? Because uh, you just mentioned Scrogan. How was it being a fan of Norma Jean and then being on the label with him? It was great. <laughs> he's one of my favorite dudes to tour with. Honestly, I, I love that dude. He's so fun to talk to. I actually listened to the Lambo podcast with him. That's one of my favorites. I just, I love, I just love hearing him talk. He, he's, he's a cool dude. And, uh, you know, we did a bunch of warp tours with him. ABR toured with the chariot back in 2006. We took 68 out in 2017 on the messengers 10 year tour. Um, I don't know, he's just one of my favorite people. Uh, such a positive dude yeah, and such a creative, like I'm going to do things my way kind of guy. He like, is does not care about the rules for sure. For sure. And he is like, uh, I, I say this all the time in my circle of friends and people, when I meet, when I meet people in general, we're talking about this particular subject. He is like, hands down, like your ideal front man too. Like he, mm. he is a, he, he, he gives it his all. It's, you know what I mean? Like he knows what the crowd wants. He knows what the crowd needs. He knows how to like act like that. His showmanship is on point. Yes. And not only that, yeah. but he's, 
he's a crazy dude too. And it's great. It's great. The, the chariot is one of, was, is one of my favorite bands from that time period. That Norma, yeah. that Norma Jean album he's on is a, a it's like a pillar class. it's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Uh, etched in gold. And uh, no, no disrespect to any other Norma Jean album that came out afterwards, but that's just like, that's a relic that will be in a museum, you know, for that, for the metalcore genre, that is so big. But um, yeah, absolutely. We had a uh, speaking of Solid State, and I know you guys kind of had a little split with them a couple of years ago, um, around 2012. We had Zayo on the podcast not too long ago, and they had a thing about, um, you know, they were kind of like deviating from their Christian lyrics or whatnot, and that they uh-huh. had they had to kind of like not be truthful with the label as far as like their lyrical content or what it meant. And I was curious as mm. to if you guys had ever within your relationship with them, with the, with the label, if that was something as you, did you have, ever have to deal with that? And does that, is that something that maybe caused the split with you guys when you left them? Here's what happened with solid state and us. Um, no, we definitely never had any like creative or like uh, religious head butting or anything. They were a great label for us. We just finished our deal and we were at a point in our career where we wanted to move to something bigger, right? More re- just a bigger, we wanted a more worldwide label. Um, and solid state was at the time tied with EMI who was pulling the strings for the label. I mean, they were, they were owned by a major at that point and things were just different. And we were, we, you know, we did five full lengths with them and the Christmas album. So like they had a lot of material and it was just time, it was time for something different. And we still, you know, I, I still communicate with those people often. I mean, we do repressings of old Solid state records yeah, you all guys, the time and stuff. You guys did the uh, remixes of like Messengers and um, mm-hmm. an, another album I'm blanking on. But yeah, so we st- we have a good relationship with them, and uh, I had nothing but love for you know Brandon Ebel and Adam Scatola and all the all the folks over there that were with us for many years. Um, as far as like lyrics and stuff go, ABR was very like we started out like very Christian. Um, the band was that was like where the band was at. And I think that over time people evolve. I'll speak for myself not the rest of my band. Some of the guys in the band are still Christians. Um, I'm, I'm not at this point in my life. I feel like as I, as I traveled the world and the world got to be a bigger place, my small, the smallness of the, my upbringing and just my local community, just my perception of it changed. Yeah. And you know, I lost my faith along the way and, uh, ABR at this point is just five dudes playing music together. Um, some of them, some of us are Christian, some of us aren't. And, but we're all, we friends, all respect right? each other. We're Say all, that again. But we're all friends still. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Cause when yeah. you make it, I'm just clarifying. Cause when you say like ABR is just five dudes playing music, it just seems cold. Oh, like so, cold you know what I mean? Yeah. For music. yeah, like no, we all have there, our personal differences, but we're all just doing this for the music, you know, which no, happens. No, which, we, and that happens in bands along. too. So, you know, I just wanted to clarify because I didn't think that you guys were on the rocks by any means, but 
No, no. We're yeah. actually better than ever. We we went through hard times and we've come out the other side and have a very good understanding of how we all tick. That's and I'm 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 proud of that. So and yeah, but I, I love I love all the dudes. They're they're you know, they're brothers to me. It's all growth, man. It's all growth. We're just not we're not brothers in Christ anymore. We're just brothers. Now. Understandable. And that's actually one of my <laughs> that was actually one of my questions to you or I was gonna ask you is because Again, you guys are from such a small rural area. And I, and I don't want to keep painting it as like, you know, there's one gas station for the town and it's like five miles from every house. But, you know, you're you're, no, you're not, not in bad, like you're, you're yeah. not in a typical city, so to speak. You know what I mean? No, we're 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 in a rural farming area. Right. And so when you grow up in that, you guys have toured like everywhere. I mean, for the Leveler show, for the Leveler album, you guys did like a world tour. You played you just posted on your Instagram not that long ago. You were in our not that long ago you posted a throwback picture not that long ago that you were in Jakarta for the leveler tour. So, I mean, like one of my questions was like, how has that kind of like opened your mind? And, you know, you know, cause again, you guys were on a, you were, you know, a spiritual religious band or Christian band or whatever, but then, you know, you guys did so much. And I was just curious as to, you know, how that maybe affected, you know, your personal growth and stuff like that. But it's interesting in general, you know, how that opening your mind and seeing things and being approaching things from a different angle will change, Mm -hmm. you know, will change you. Yeah, it's just interesting seeing all of these different cultures throughout the world and what they believe. And it's like everyone has these different beliefs, whether it's this country like Japan, there's like no religion in Japan. Yeah. And then, you know, all, all across Asia and stuff, there's all kinds of different religions and stuff. And it's like, this is all just very like, this is how I was raised. So this is what I believe. Like, which to me was like, okay, so the truth probably is that there's just, you know, we're just, we're here as, as human beings and that. <laughs> That's all we know. You know. Let's, let's all be good people. Yeah. For the sake yeah. Of being good people, I mean, not, not for the threat of getting sent to hell or, you know, something like that. Right. I don't know. One of the things I think I found, one of the things I, I got from talking with Josh, um, that was probably, we should probably just skip. I'll skip that. Cause that was off the, okay. was, that was off the podcast, but I will just say that, you know, I, I am like more of a spiritual person to where like, I, I don't know anything about anything. I yeah. just, I just know, like, like you said, we're humans floating in this rock in this, space thing and i'm just trying to be cool yeah. i'm just trying to be cool with everybody that's all that's how i'll navigate this totally i appreciate that yeah i have one more awkward question to ask you okay and you probably know just because it's lamgo as to what sh- I, you probably know where it's coming what i'm about to probably touch on uh you guys are kind of close with the band that has caught a lot of heat in the last couple of years um as dying obviously is who i'm yeah. talking about um I guess, like, what is it that, like, people aren't seeing that are upset by Tim joining, you know, back into the scene and playing music and stuff like that? Like, is there something that you guys know or, or you know, because a lot of people do have a lot of opinions about him and his situation and such like that. So, of course. Um, but you guys have seen, I mean, I don't say, I don't, I don't want to keep saying you guys, Jake. Jake seems to be very tight with Tim and uh, that's, I was just curious as to, is there something that maybe the mass public doesn't know about, you know, everything? Yeah. Here's what I'll say about that. Um, 
ABR goes way back with Azalea Dying. They took us out on some early tours and have been have been good buddies. Uh, Nick Hippa, they're one of their guitar players, has been like a guitar hero of mine. Really helpful of teaching me. I mean, I was like a I was like a little little kid brother, like bugging him on tour, like, "Hey, teach me how to play this. Teach me how to play." Like, like I was like that guy with him, and and he's he's always been a cool dude to me. And I, I really like all those dudes. I've never had a, a very, I've never been close with Tim, but uh, even through the whole saga that Tim went through, um, I was in touch with the other guys in the band. And, you know, I would consider those guys friends of mine. I'm not friends with Tim. Um, and in fact, I don't think anyone in our band is friends with Tim except for Jake. Um, Jake I feel like Jake became closer with Tim when he was in prison. Um, and I think that's because Jake was, came at him with like, uh, like from a place of like compassion and forgiveness. Whereas I personally couldn't do that right. for him. But like, but Jake has always been, I guess that guy, he, I, I don't know how many people know this, but he runs a nonprofit called heart support. That is basically, um, a, a community where people can come to try to find healing through trauma and things that they've gone through. And it's, you know, a place of no judgment and, and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's supposed to be a very positive thing. Is that, of, a, is that the mental health thing that he had kind of recently posted yes. about with his gym? Um... Well, g- his gym is something he started after heart support. Heart okay. support's been a nonprofit. He's been running for a long time. He also started a gym called uh, your life gym. That is a gym that also uh, has lots of mental health classes, you know, so it's supposed to be, you know, health for your mind and body your body, and yeah. which it. is cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, business model, but anyways, so Jake, um, I guess decided he's going to be the first one to, I guess, extend an olive branch to Tim, like from this world. And it wasn't like a decision that he's like, hey, guys, hey, my my bandmates in August Burns are out. I want to talk to you guys like I'm going to I'm going to publicly like back Tim Lambesis as he's like trying to rehabilitate himself back into society. It's not something we talked about. And honestly, if we had, I think we probably would not have been like, dude, we're definitely not like comfortable getting on that. Like, I don't want to have an opinion on this controversial subject. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't it. have touched it. No, um, I understand but it. That, that's his thing. And he has been vocal about, I don't know, Tim trying to get his life back together and be able to take what he did and turn it into a positive and teach other people from it. So I don't know. It's not even something that I... It's not something I would have done, but Jake. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I I I know what you're referring to now. You oh, you wouldn't have done yeah, what Jake what did. Tim, yeah, I got did, you. I was what, like, what obviously, <laughs> obviously, yes. Okay. Sorry, my mind is going. You know, I'm quick with no, it. You're fine. I was just like that's hilarious. Why would you say that? Duh. Get it. <laughs> right. So I I don't think it's like. This isn't an August Burns Red thing. This is a Jake Lors thing. Yeah. No, I mean I, I, Th- that I, relationship. It feels yeah. like that too from the outside as well. So it's not like I was thinking that you guys were all like having family dinners or anything like that. But it, it I was just curious as to like, is there something? Because you know, a lot of 
it divides a lot of people. That's all. So of uh, course, of I, course. And I see the, the conflict of it and I, I liken it to, it's, it's not the same at all, but like, there's a lot of people who have committed crimes and have entered back into society. And even on the public level, I look at someone like Michael Vick, yeah. who was, you know, abusing dogs and it's very different than trying to kill your wife. I, I understand that, but you know, Michael Vick is, is totally good to go now. I mean, he's like an analyst and on football broadcasts and like, so I don't know. There's our, our society is set up for second chances. I'm not the person who wants to, I'm not going to be a champion for Tim Lambesis. I got you. Um, it could, I'm you know what? With that, but and, yeah, and that could come over time with you, me, and anybody else that may have an issue or doesn't have an issue with Tim. So time, yeah. time will only tell, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Hey, and that's teach their own to make their opinion on how they want to proceed with that. But it's cool that you guys as a group, <laughs> it's cool that you guys as a group can still function with even that kind of going on. But anyway, enough of about yeah, all yeah. that awkwardness. You seem like one of the funnier dudes in the entire band. So we'll just change the subject altogether, right? <laughs> Let's talk about something fun. Yeah, you <laughs> you seem like you're one of the jokesters in the band. Is that like I'm a, a jokester? Yeah, is that something that, you know, I'm falsely accusing you of cuz you seem like No, I I feel like I am. I like to joke and yeah, I love I love to ch- try to be funny and I would often refer to myself as my favorite comedian. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I sometimes laugh the hardest at my jokes, my yeah. own jokes. Because <laughs> yeah. you get them, you you fully get them anyway, so you know. Yeah, like, I get I get my own shit, you know. Yeah. Um, so are you like the jokester guy on tour, like pranking everybody, bugging everybody? Oh, I don't. I mean, bugging, yes, but not everybody. I, I bug I bug Jake a lot. He's like kind of my target often, especially when we're traveling internationally, like at airports and stuff. I don't know why. There's just something about being in an airport that just makes me want to like pester Jake like an annoying little kid. Yeah. Um, I, we don't prank at this point. I mean, I mean, there's maybe like very minor things like our birch guy and I have, I'm not going to get into the backstory, but we like, will hide like something that we've been passing back and forth for many years. Um, like I actually had a reminder in my phone for last April that was like, hide that thing in Kip's bunk. Like, like I wanted to do it on a certain day on tour because this isn't even a good story because I'm not getting into <laughs> details because I'm not I'm also not comfortable revealing right, them. Right, right, right. But you know, <laughs> it's a little inside joke thing that we do. We pass this little token of love between right. each other, and I wanted to we pass a token <laughs> and keep it at that. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, we're not like pranksters on tour. We hang out a lot, and you know, but it's like the tour prank thing kind of went away when we were of the age where pranks were more fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I guess we're calmer now. Yeah. I get you. So what's like, what's it like touring with the guys? Are you guys bringing like wives on tour with you and stuff or cause you're obviously not schlumping it in a, you know, a 16 person van anymore with a trailer on right. the pitch. You got, you got accommodations these days for the most part, but like, do you have the ability to kind of like, you know, have guests, maybe family members come on the tour with you for periods of time or cause like you said, it's a different time in your life. Yeah. We, uh, we have people ride from time to time, usually for like three nights, maybe like my wife might come out for a couple nights. Um, 
or we have like some friends that ride along sometimes. But it's also a little bit tricky because the bus is full. Like we don't have room for anyone else. I was gonna say, does do you guys? Do Whoever gets the, has the guest, do they get the back room, makeshift back room as like a... Exactly. Is that what I mean, that's what I would do. Because, uh. <laughs> I mean, some, some of the guys will just share a bunk with mm. their lady, but tight quarters. Like, that's not a good night's rest. It's, yeah. it's tight. And I would much rather sleep in the back. I mean, my wife would rather me sleep in the back lounge as well. Like, we will both sleep better and have a better day the next day right. if we're both able to sleep. But, you know, the crew, our crew is like family to us as well. We've had a lot of the same guys for a really long time now. Um, our tour manager, his name is Josh. He was my roommate in college and my best friend in high school. And he's been TMing us literally for our entire career. So he's been with us forever. Um, our merch guy was one of our best friends from high school. Um, we've had the same guitar tech since 2010. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like the, there's, there are crews like my best friends and um, it's like, our camp is like our touring party is not something that people like, I feel like it's like intimidating to come into if you don't know us. Like if we had to like have a new drum tech who just had to come in and like, cause we have been together for so long and right. there's so much history and so many inside jokes and blah, blah, blah. Like it's <laughs> like, I feel like it would be like, it would be, it would suck. To, it would suck. Yeah. I'll, I'll, it would suck to join our camp. Yeah, if you're the, not already in. the inside <laughs> joke thing alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you guys have been like together, cause like, again, like we've talked about 2006, the core, the core hasn't changed since then. The amount right. of inside jokes and stuff like that, that you guys probably have would just be annoying yeah. to try to even figure out as a new member. And it would uh, be very annoying. Does Jake ever get annoyed? Would you make with you pestering him? Because I I do feel like yes, yeah. Because he he sometimes visibly looks like it on some of the videos or posts or whatever. But I know that only sometimes. Can like, I know that drives yeah. you. I know that it probably drives you. That's what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Oh, I love to get the reaction. Yeah, and it's so mean because it's at his expense. <laughs> but it's also like it's it's funny. So you know, sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you got to put someone down to get a laugh out of everyone else. <laughs> R.I.P. Jake. It's, it's all in good fun, though, brother. No, I I love Jake though, and yeah, he knows I'm 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 teasing, and uh, and that whole like, hey guys, it's Jake bit I do is like <laughs> the one where you clown, yeah, that and clowning on him for the gym. It's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, he's an easy target, so it's not fair. But but he he, I don't know. We're like it's part of his bro. persona, though. You know what I mean? Like it's part of his like online shtick. He has to be that kind of character to do some of the things that he you know works with right so right he's not obviously that guy with you so when you no. you, you can you can kind of jank on him a little bit for that kind of stuff totally and i know when to stop if things are going too far or if he's not in the mood like i won't push his buttons like i i wait for my opportunities i might even use it to try to cheer him up honestly if, yeah. if he's having a bad day or something so it's all in good fun you got the phillies hat on i gotta admit yes not a fan uh, no worries. Yeah, You're a Marlins guy, no. a Braves guy. I was You're a Braves guy. I was a Rays. I'm. I am a Rays. Oh, Rays. Yeah. So. Oh, how about that? I don't necessarily. Hey, like Rays Phil. are cool. I, they are, but you know, Philly uh, beat us in the World Series the first time we went. So mm-hmm. that was like a long 2005. Also, didn't like that episode in Always Sunny, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, nah. <laughs> but hey, we had a couple good years. My team's had a couple good years. Uh, so I feel you, like the Rays are way more relevant than the Phillies are right now and have been for a little while now. I think this last decade has, has been like that, probably, yeah. It's solid. Yeah. They have a really cool 
this is gonna be really boring for a lot of well, a lot of listen, a lot of your listeners. We've made it like an hour in, so if you're still listening, we're gonna probably talk sports for a yeah. little bit. <laughs> talk about what we want to talk about now. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. Um, I was gonna say, I think the Rays, the way they manage their organization, is very cutting edge and interesting and modern. Like the way they treat their pitchers and they do like openers instead of a starter like just their 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 handling of their pitching is very uh modern and like new wave which and it seems to be working like you seldom see a raised pitcher got more than five innings like a starter yeah and as a baseball fan and someone who actually understands the pitching and raise and stuff like that in general yeah do you take do you take snell out of that game in the world series no, you don't. At that point, I do not, because. But the process, okay. But the process, the Kevin Cash's process, brought them all the way there. I know, so, but you're you also know, you're, like, what are you saving the bullets for at this point? I don't know. That's I've, what I think. I've tried to think about it from every different angle because I don't want to be upset at Kevin Cash. I don't want to be upset at Zach. But you know, Zach did. That was right after Zach gave up. I mean, he was on point the entire time until like that batter before him and the you know the, the probably the two before uh, things can change very quickly yeah. and a pitcher can get off the rails quick too it's almost like as soon as that momentum is broken the wheels can come right off and the offense wasn't necessarily there and that was kind of late what fifth sixth inning at that point so whew, it was interesting yeah. that was a great series though in general yes absolutely great series the but, pandemic the pandemic was good for baseball i think is that is that's it, well, I, it was good for fans of baseball. Yeah, that's what I should say. I don't say. know if it was good for the game as a whole. Like, if you were not a fan of baseball coming into the pandemic, you definitely weren't a fan of baseball coming out of the pandemic. Maybe think. you were because that's one of the only sports that has games on like all day long for like eight True. months out of the year. <laughs> but it was just such a it was such a mess getting the season going. And oh yeah, the commissioner Rob Manfred has been making a lot of. He's just been not great. For the game yeah. lately, I, I don't know more negatives than positives. I think so, yeah. But I don't know. I love the game, anyways. Like he can do what he. I, I'm not even like upset about like the National League instituting or uh, adding the DH, or I don't even care about the extra innings with the runner on second. Like I don't care about these changes that are uh, being implemented to try to speed up the games because I do get it. The next generation coming behind me does not care about baseball. It's too slow paced for them. You know, like, it is. The attention span is not there. It is. And as someone who I only got into baseball the year that the Rays went to the World Series, <clears throat> I moved to Tampa. And that was the year that I moved to Tampa. And I got wrapped up in the, the you know, they had like playoff mullet or playoff, uh, not mullets, Dan. With the Mohawks, Mohawks, yeah, they had playoff Mohawks, and they were dying blue. So the whole town was going crazy, and I mean, I made a conscious effort to be like, all right, well, they have a hockey team here, which I'm a big hockey fan. I was like, I'll root for the Lightning, and they have a baseball team here. I'll root for their baseball team. I already have a football team, the Jaguars, and um, so I got like roped into it. And since then, you know, I I like that the games are can be lengthy. I like that, but I also like yes. for people who are outside of baseball. There is so much going on in baseball. So much. Like, there's defenses. There's pitching. I mean, and like you said earlier, the Rays, and it might be that the Rays approach the game differently, and that's why I like it so much more. But, yeah, it's just always interesting. 
always there's so much it's like chess if you it's like so nuance yeah. it's a good game for you it's so it's like chess there's so many things that can you can do encounter moves and all sorts of other stuff it's crazy. yes i love it i get why people think it's boring because it's slower paced but you know sometimes it's nice to slow down a little bit yeah take something in yeah you like the slow versus things a down. 15 second reel on instagram you know what i'm saying <laughs> You like to slow things down. You play a lot of ping pong. I love ping pong. I don't get to play much anymore, though. Do you have a ping pong uh, table at your house? I do, but it's it's been just sitting. It's not set up. It's in my garage just rotting. I haven't played since I moved into the house I'm living in right now. So I, I picture you, you just know, my, like force gumping it on the wall by yourself. By myself. No. I don't. I played a lot more when I was younger. My dad and I used to play all the time. Um, and I still love to play. I'll, I'll play when I visit my parents. We'll go We'll go play a few games. And like every like family gathering, we play doubles and stuff. But um, ping pong is kind of like riding a bike too. Like you you pick it right back up where you left off. How good, how good are you on a scale of one to 10? 10 being like a professional. Yeah, like 10 being <laughs> like, you know, Olympic ping pong guy. Yeah, I'd say I'm like a five. Okay. So I'm you, I'm like I'm confident that I will beat any single person who wants to play me, like any layman, <laughs> like no problem. Like I I'll 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 beat whoever. But I'm definitely like nowhere near people who take ping pong seriously. You know how you some know? you know how some people play dice like on warp tour and stuff, like how they yeah. gamble for dice. Are you uh are you guys on warp tour like are you hustling dudes at ping pong? You know what? I didn't see a lot of ping pong on Warp Tour, and if that could have been if, your thing, that could have been the thing, man. Yeah, if there was, I, I would have definitely been been playing a lot. Uh, my buddy from uh, my buddy Josh Woodard from the band of Data Remember brought they brought a ping pong table out in 2010 when we were on tour with them, and we played a lot of ping pong. Josh is really a really good player, and uh, and that was fun. But and there was a there was a, a guy from Crock Rock in Allentown the the pizza chef from like their in-house pizza parlor who was really good at ping pong and every time we'd come through crock rock i'd always have my paddle on me and would challenge him and i only beat him a couple times he was really good just big fat pizza maker totally really totally not pong. a layman huh wasn't a layman he was not a layman yeah. no he was like another like five five yeah. out of ten nice <laughs> Yeah, it may even been a six because you know he only you only bested him a couple I beat times. Him, I beat him before though, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I could beat a six. Oh well, that's good. You have your, <laughs> you know your limits, JV. Yeah. Um, so, will the Eagles ever win a Super Bowl in your lifetime? Win again? Win? Yeah. Will they win a Super Bowl in your lifetime? They already have. Okay. They just did. Yeah. Like, yeah. What the? Fuck? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Win another Super Bowl in your lifetime. Oh, win another one. These are questions Alex has sent me to ask. Will the Philadelphia Eagles win another Super Bowl in your lifetime? Yeah. Unless I die young, man. I could die young. I don't know. But I think so. I don't know when they'll do it. I don't think they're close right now. But life is a long time. If I'm going to live another 40 years, which I feel is fair, I think I can make it to 77. I'd like to think the Eagles can win another Super Bowl in the next 40 years. And if they do, it'll be it's I was just saying to my wife last night. Uh we were talking about I got invited to play in the fantasy football league um that I'm really excited to be in, like an invite only kind of thing. I'm I'm big into fantasy football. And my wife goes, 
Okay, so on a scale of one to ten, like how big of a deal was this to you? I'm like, well, we need to calibrate the scale. And she's like, <laughs> okay, so like, what's a ten for you? I'm like, Eagles winning the Super Bowl. And she's like, she's like, you're not, you're not going to say like going to the Grammys was a ten. I'm like, nah, it was like an eight. Like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl is definitely. <laughs> Like a cooler experience for me. I'm being dead serious. Like, that well, no, cool yeah, because like Grammys, going but... to the going to the Grammys isn't like you're. That's not something you're like in uh, 2004. Man, the goal is to get to the red carpet on the Grammys, bros. Let's let's shoot right, for the Grammys. Right, right. That's just something that happened later on in this situation. You're like, oh, that's cool, right. but you weren't thinking about yes. it. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't even know where I was going with this, but I. Eagles. I was like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was one of the moments of my life. Like I have, that was one of the best nights of my entire life. I had so much fun and it was just like such an incredible feeling. I was up to like 6am on the bus. We had to play a show that night. We were in Austin, Texas. And what tour were we on? We were on the messengers tour, messengers 10 year anniversary tour. And we were really lucky. The, The green room that day was like, a detached apartment just off the side of the the venue. And we had like a nice big apartment that we had like a Super Bowl party in and got to watch the game, the entire game. And right when it ended was when our changeover started to take the set. So we are on like, that would, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I don't know if I'd be stoked for that or if I'd be like, Oh my God, I just want to celebrate this win. But I also, you know, it's two highs. It's two highs meeting each other. I, well, it was so fun though because we were just so pumped. And I remember just taking the stage, and we had this. Um, we played the Eagles fight song, like we walked out the Eagles fight song. And how many people in like, Texas no, knew what was going on though? Like you know, we're, we're oh, everyone of, had to know it was Super Bowl Sunday. I think we were also kind of like in Dallas Cowboy territory. Oh yes, bonus kind kind of a couple hours away. I don't know, but people didn't care. They were happy for us that we were happy, and then we came off stage and we had a really early bus call because we had a long drive to where we were going to. I think we were heading to Florida actually. And we had a day off to get there, but we still had to do a lot of driving. So we got off stage, went straight to a bar, like had a bunch of drinks real quick. And then like got on the bus as soon as we were, were all loaded out and just party on the bus till 6am. And it was so fun. Like our tour manager who has my friend, Josh, who I've been friends with forever. Like, he and my buddy William, who was on tour with us riding along at that point, like the three of us just stayed up so late, just having so much fun. I was just like, I don't know, man. It was awesome. Oh, I, I know. I, for I mean, everyone I, out there, I'm sure most people have had their team win a championship. And if you're a real fan of the team, it's like uh, a pretty incredible feeling. The only thing that I have actually, um, the only thing that I have like a lifelong dedication to would be the Jaguars <clears throat> because I was a <clears throat> excuse me, 12, sure. 13 year old when the team was founded and then i was like 14 when they played their first game in 95 yeah so i have like you know it's embedded in my dna at this point but we are also like the cleveland browns so it's like we've had like we've had a couple seasons you know what i mean and most of those seasons were like early in the early in the uh franchise history when we like took everyone's best players you know so right (laughs) we had some good first couple seasons you know and but 2017 was kind of okay. You know, we went to the AFC Championship, should have went to the Super Bowl, you know. Uh, Miles Jack wasn't down, I'll just say that. And then <clears throat> we get your guy, we get Nick Foles, break his collarbone <laughs> right away. 
And then, yeah. But was he the answer anyways? I mean, he had caught lightning in the bottle with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. I don't know if he was like going to lead who, the Jaguars Who's going to know, JB? I know that he broke yeah. his collarbone on like a beautiful touchdown pass that was like It a was bomb. lovely. He did. He was good at dropping, dropping deep balls, right? Yeah. So we'll see. Basket. We'll see how this goes. You know, we got Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, the planets. Yes. The planets have aligned, and somehow, like the football gods, think that maybe, you know, Jacksonville's been the butt of every joke for so long that maybe it's time they win a game or two. You know, so we'll see how that plays out. Well, I wish you the best. Oh, personally, for that. Yeah, personally, as a fan, I, we're the new Patriots. That's what I think in my head. But I'm going to give it a year before I start really pushing that rhetoric. That would be that's lofty, right? The dynasty in New England crumbled, right? Because that obviously is gone now. Yeah. So that's someone's got to pick up the pieces, and why not Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, right? True. Hey, it is this. It's the dawning of a new era. That's for sure. <clears throat> Tim Tebow, you're familiar with him? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I I'm pretty sure he's going to be dressing out in the Jaguars uniform as a tight end this year. I saw that he tried out or worked out for the Jaguars recently. Came up in my fantasy football group been, chat. Been practicing with. Oh, he's Jaguars. practicing now. Yeah, it's changed a little bit now. He sh- he tried out weeks ago, and now he's been practicing. Now isn't he getting a little bit old? He's thirty three. He's a little old. He's thirty three, and he hasn't been in the league in like three years, right, or more years? More than that, because he's been. He's been playing minor league baseball for a couple of years and doing college game day on ESPN. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, are you are you happy about that as a, as a Jags fan? Because I feel like I feel like it's going to be a distraction. This is a yeah. This is just a media spectacle. In it, my but opinion. the thing is, it doesn't even need. That's the problem. It doesn't even need to be a media spectacle because we have Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, and then every other free agent yes. that's came here since because of that. So like, we don't necessarily need, and they've already sold out. I don't want to say sold out, but they've sold a large number of tickets thus far. And there's a large number, large percentage of the fans that are new, like first timers, first time season ticket holders. So they've already gotcha. eclipsed all that stuff, but I don't know, dude, may I would hope that they urban just thinks maybe he still got it in the can and they need tight ends. So who knows? I don't know. Hmm. I don't oh, know. Good luck. Yeah. It's going to be a distraction for sure. But, uh, I've definitely I didn't want him here as a quarterback, even though I loved him at Florida. So I was I'm a Florida fan, so Oh, okay. Well then you're probably happy to have him then. This is fun for you as a I just I just I just don't want it not to work out because it it's 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 painted to not work out. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's set up to just be a failure. <laughs> He's too old, dude. I, I don't I don't believe in him. I'm sorry to say I don't believe in him. Gronk retired and came back and was good, but he's like twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, also he came back yeah. and he came back and joined like again the best quarterback to ever grace the game for the most part. Sure. Sure. That also stings to say that stuff though. But you have to give him you have to give him Oh, uh, he Tom Brady is the best. I I mean, I'm it's you're calling a spade a spade, dude. Yeah. Whose idea <laughs> whose idea was it for the uh the August Burns red beer? Was that a group decision or um, one of you guys like beer more than No, I I don't know if it was an entire group it was, I'd say Brent, our other guitar player, and Dustin, our bass player, put that idea together. Dustin's brother, Paul, owns the brewery that's been doing the August Burns Red Beers. So we have like a family connection there. 
um, the brewery is called Elder Pine. And whenever we're like, hey, can you do a special beer for this whatever? They're always like, yeah, cool, sure. And it's it's, I think it's fun for people to collect the cans. It's fun for me, at least. <laughs> I'm not even a big beer. Like, I don't, I don't particularly like craft beer. I'm not like into that. But I, I always drink one August Burns Red beer to, so I can say I had it. And then I keep, I have, I have the cans. Nice. Yeah. No, they are. They are definitely. Uh, I see you guys post about them all the time. They're cool. They're very cool. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of them recently. So, so before we cut, before I cut you off here, JV, and let you loose because we've been running for about an hour and a half almost an hour and 20. Um, I know it's been like the pandemic and I keep, I hate bringing up pandemic, but uh, we've actually had to bring it up a couple of times just to talk about things with the band. So that's fine. But have you found any like new bands within the last year or so that you weren't really familiar with prior to being locked down that you may want to uh, elaborate on whether they don't have to necessarily be heavy either, but obviously. Yeah. Yeah, there's one band in particular that I liked that I learned about during the pandemic that I'm quite fond of called Michigander. And it's like an indie pop thing, but it's not metal in the least. Um, and to my understanding, it's just one dude who writes and sings these songs. And I liken it to old Coldplay, kind of, but like a little bit popular. You know, definitely not targeting the Lamb Goat audience, but um, that's a band that I've discovered during the pandemic that i'm stoked on new heavy bands i i don't know i feel like i haven't discovered a new heavy band that i'm really pumped on in a long time i will say that the new era record is awesome but i've known about era for years but as far as like heavy new heavy music goes the record they put out during the pandemic is is pretty sick so check that out if if you're looking for new like metal record and we just had them on a couple episodes ago actually <clears throat> oh cool yeah those those dudes are cool i like them and i think their band's really good so it's i i like uh i just feel like they're one of the more creative bands right now that are you know sort of in what you might call like the prime of their career i get you gotcha so. <clears throat> um i got two more for you really quick sure okay what was the your favorite August Burns Red album that you guys have made, and you don't have to give me the standard like, oh, Guardians is my favorite because it's the best oh. record. So, just what's the favorite? Your personal favorite record? Found in Far Out Places is my favorite August Burns Red record. Uh, it came out in 2015. It's the one that I approached with the most like no rules, and I really, I just really love that record. I think it has some of our it has a couple of my like all time favorite songs I've ever written and which would be broken promises and Vanguard. Those are two of my favorite songs I've ever written. And there's a lot of really weird out of left field, like wacky interlude kind of stuff on that record that I feel like fans who don't like that kind of thing, that it would be the re the reason they would say it's like not one of their favorite records is the reason that it's one of my favorite records. So it can be a little bit of a polarizing <laughs> album, but I, I think it's, it's definitely my fave. Cool. Favorite lamb goat moment since you are that was the question I blanked out on. You you're you said you were a long time reader. Lamb goat moment. So do you have a favorite yes. lamb goat moment? It's <clears throat> <laughs> a hilarious question, dude. Um I've been reading the site for news since I was a kid. 
since like 2002 or three, <laughs> 2003, probably. Yeah. I've never been the kind of person to dig deep into the cesspool that was the lamb goat message board back in the day. Uh, dude, you got to come on. Um, <clears throat> you gotta come what'd on. you say? <clears throat> you got to come, come on. on. Yeah. Come on. I don't have time for that shit right now, dude. <laughs> You're not gonna have time when the band starts going either. This is the only time you'll you'll have time. It's it's a unique uh, it's a unique environment that place. It is unique. I actually think it's it's a lot more cleaned up than it used to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. The internet because you can't better. post anonymously anymore. So it got on the message little... board, you can. Oh, you can on the message board. Yeah. Okay, well, I was never reading that anyways. Okay, favorite lamb goat moment. Were. I don't know. I really enjoyed like. I feel like there was like a lot of great comments around Amir stuff back in the day. Shocking. Um, shocking. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like everything is so toxic. Like <clears throat> just call like it my favorite feels mean. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I mean like that. And, and then again, like you may like certain things because it's funny for a certain reason that may be offensive to somebody else. There's a lot of like really awful comments on August Burns Red Post that are funny in retrospect. You know? Do you guys enjoy reading those things? I mean, I know you've mentioned like that when you release new music, you know, like obviously, I guess on other platforms uh, and other like, you know, YouTube and stuff like that, it's you're you're thinking of comments in one way. But when you were to see like posts on Lambgoat about the band, I would assume those comments are taken in differently. Well, that's you take it with a grain of salt, dude, because it's so. Because you have to, ex- but you have to expect it on Lambgoats on those. Early yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would you'd probably go to Lambgoat, see the news posts, and be like, "Let's see what they're saying." As a, you know what I mean? And you might get a laugh out of it. Whereas on social media or like YouTube, when you release music or post something, those comments may even be more like, "Ouch." There's a comment that was, that stuck with me on an August Burns Red post from many many years ago, and it's before my skin was my skin's a lot thicker now mm-hmm. after seeing lots of opinions on what we do as a band, but it was something like this band should go eat a barrel of smashed assholes or something like that. It's like it's just something absurd. And, you know, I don't even think it stung at the time because it's just so absurd, but I don't know. Like that's the kind of, that's, that's what I'm missing by not reading that the message board, I suppose. Yeah, you're you're missing out. I don't know that. if it's still like that or not. But. <laughs> uh, it's, the com- like I said, the comments are gone because uh, you have to do like a Facebook login thing right now. But uh, yes, the uh, the message board is anonymous. I'm their number one fan. Obviously, they love me. They of love course. me a lot, and uh, so it is what it is. But Alex has one final thing he wants to ask you. Okay, uh, when was the last time you were at Shady Maple? I went to Shady Maple the day of my sister Sarah's wedding because I was a groomsman and uh, my brother-in-law took us and the rest of the groomsmen there for a massive breakfast before the wedding. So that would have been maybe 2004, Okay, 2005. We'll say 2005. Definitely not a place I frequent, but I'm very familiar. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what it is. I assume a breakfast place or a restaurant now. It, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a buffet place in like Amish country, Pennsylvania. So he also wanted you to, don't ask, need to make a trip. Yeah, because he he's from the same area as you for the most part. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, he also wanted me to ask why there's no Amish core bands, but we all can probably already realize why there's no Amish core bands. 
I mean, he knows, but it's <laughs> obvious that if you're an, if you're an Amish person and you're playing in a band, you are no longer Amish. Like yeah. you've left the community. Can you even yeah, play? You can't, you can't have both. You can't play. Can you play acoustic music in, in on the Amish? You could play acoustic. Sure. I suppose you could do. A, yes. I mean, they have music, but I think they're playing, you know, your traditional church hymns and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Exciting. Exciting yeah. stuff. All right, JB. Well, it was wonderful. It's been 90 minutes. I feel like, uh, you know, I, we should probably cut it here. And uh, again, you guys have Leveler coming out May 21st. 21st. And this will come out the week before that. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah. And we're doing a live stream for Leveler on May 22nd at uh, right. 8 o'clock Eastern. So go get your ABRleveler.com for tickets. Yeah. You, you, got, you got the bundles. You got. Uh, you doing vinyl pressings, merch, yeah, all sorts of other stuff for it. So yeah, definitely go check it out. And JB, man, uh, I look forward. Hopefully, I know I'm for sure going to see you guys at uh, Solid State at uh, Furnace Fest. Fur- Furnace Fest. And I'm trying to. Uh, are you guys playing uh, Blue Ridge? We are. Okay, yeah, we're trying to figure that out because Limp cool. Biscuits playing, and I'm not going to miss. I'm missing Limp Oh, Biscuit. there you go. Let's I'm missing. Go. Uh, I'm missing them. In the house, y'all. <laughs> I'm missing them to go to Furnace Fest. But if I can weasel my way to see them at Blue Ridge, too, you know, that'd be good. That would be fun. That'd I won't. Fun. I won't feel like I missed out so much. But JB, it was great, man. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with yeah. me today. And uh, you know, again, hopefully we get you back on and we can talk more comedy. I'd like that. Thanks uh, for having me, Dave. No it's been a pleasure. All right. See ya. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!